Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. As the former Wisconsin Honey Queen and American Honey Queen, Hannah Schustrom is familiar with answering questions about bees. And she enjoys it. She enjoys helping others grow their interest in beekeeping. I'm Charity Seebecker with the Midwest Farm Report. Schustrom is a third-generation beekeeper whose journey began by inheriting that passion from her father and grandfather, who actually started beekeeping as a 4-H project over five decades ago. She explains how she's working to grow her business, Honey Hill Apiaries, in Maiden Rock, and what she does now that the cold weather is here to stay. I was one of the fortunate people. I was actually born into this industry, so I am a third-generation beekeeper. My dad, my grandpa started this as a 4-H project for my dad probably about 55 years ago or so, and so I just got into it. I went to college. I'm actually a critical care nurse full-time, and then that for me it wasn't enough like my passion and love is with the industry it's with the business with my dad so my dad and I are going from having 200 hives that he's pretty much ran his whole life to now we're expanding and we'll see where we get so can you tell me about Honey Hill Apiaries and how you started like you mentioned with just a few hives and you are working on expanding so take me through a little bit more about your business we have pretty much ran probably about 200 hives my entire life. So the last couple of years, we really focused on kind of changes we're doing with our business on how we can make sure that the hives that we're running are the healthiest hives we can run. So that way we are able to expand. And when we expand, we're using our own stock, like our own hives. They're coming healthy to us. And that way, when we take our hive, we're able to split that hive down. And our expansion is through our own hives, not through like purchasing extra hives. And so a couple things that we have done differently is really we just have focused on like in the winters, we actually send them to California. And so they'll spend the winters in California. We'll get paid for almond pollination. But then our hives, they come back so much stronger than and healthier than they would if they stayed here over winter. And so that's really helped us to one, just be able to have like a healthier stock. We've kind of just be able to have that healthy stock that we start the year off. We make sure and stay really up to date on treatments and Again, it's just if we can have healthy stock, we can kind of fight a lot of the other battles that we face in the industry. With that recent weather that we've had, the drought, and now we've had some of that colder snap coming through the frost. It's Take me through how that affects your bees or how you are supplementing their diet kind of into these colder months. For us, this drought really affected us starting back in the spring. So our bees came back from California, and California got hit so hard with rain when our bees were getting out, so they didn't get fed when they were out there. And so our bees came back to us actually starving. Like, they were healthy, and they were, like, nice sizes, but they were starving. So we fed crazy amounts of food that we have never fed before. Then we got into the spring. We made our splits. Wisconsin kind of got some rain. They were doing really good. But then our hives, when we make a split, it's basically taking a smaller portion off that hive. So you have to baby them to make sure that they can grow to the big size throughout the year. And for us, we got hit again with a drought. So that drought isn't allowing those smaller colonies to be able to grow up and to live to the full potential. So for us, that just meant like we had to think quick on our feet. We thought, oh, hey, they're good. They're out in the yards. There's enough honey and nectar out there. And then we were checking and we're like, certain yards are getting hit with this drought. We kind of learned that we have to be more analytical and more perceiving of the weather to our yards are spread out so much that we have to pay attention to which yard is getting rain and getting in like the nectar inflow. And so we just, again, we learned a lot that we are feeding and treating every yard completely different that we can't just do a broad spectrum. And that has honestly 
once we got through that little hurdle, the rest of the year went better, but hopefully next year we'll have a better nectar flow and not so much of a drought in Wisconsin. When it comes to splitting your hives, kind of take me through what that looks like. So I get my bees back from California around, probably around April, but we will get that hive. The reason we love California is our hive comes back so strong. So if we don't split that hive immediately, they will actually swarm on us. So it's awesome. They are that healthy. We will go on that hive. They have one queen. When I go into my hive to split, every beekeeper will do it differently. But how my dad and I do it is we will go in the hive. We will have one determine if they're healthy enough to split, and then we will decide how many splits we want to make. And so we're kind of in that expansion process right now of you can either expand to get numbers or you can expand to kind of maintain numbers. If you expand to get numbers, then you kind of like sacrifice a little bit of your honey production each year. And so we're trying this last couple of years. We just had hard losses before we started going to California. So we were expanding to make our numbers and kind of grow a little bit. And so this year we probably won't do as hard of an expansion, but we'll still be growing. And so you look in that hive, if you're going to expand for numbers, you can take probably two make that one colony into two to three colonies and so you'll go in you'll find that queen i normally will put the queen off to the side so that way i know where that queen for that hive is and then i will go in there and find frames of brood the brood is going to be the baby bees so that's what you use to make a new hive and so you just make sure like i will take out however many splits i think we can do if it's a super strong one i'll probably take out two splits from that so i'll take out basically enough frames of brood for those hives to make those splits then i'll put that queen back in that colony and then we'll take those splits. I have them in different boxes and we'll actually take them away to a different yard down the road. So whether that's a 30 miles down the road, it just it has to be away so that way those bees don't go back to that hive right away. I will leave them queenless for about 24 hours so that way they kind of realize, hey, there's not a queen in here. We're like, we don't know what to do. That way when our queens come in from, we get them shipped in from Louisiana, but you can get them shipped in from Texas, California, Florida, pretty much any of the southern warm states. We'll get it shipped in and then that way by the time our queens arrive, that hive is a lot more accepting to that new queen because they realize like if you put it in pretty much immediately, they're going to think that queen that queen is still somewhere in the hive. They're going to find her. So when you leave them queenless, then we have a lot better acceptance rates than the rest of the year is just spent trying to build that hive up. We'll feed them, we'll give them pollen, anything they need to just get them to that level of being able to be a honey producing hive. And then again in the fall, ship them to California. What flavors of honey do your bees give? Because I know it's not all the same depending on where they're at and what type of flowers and things like that that they're around. Correct. So my favorite thing is that last year we ran 11 yards. So I had about 300 hives split up between 11 to 14 yards depending on the year. And if you go into every single yard, they have a different flavor in every single hive, even if there's like generally the same flowers around. So primarily what we produce is we have, we just call it clover because most of our flowers are in the clover. That's like the typical when you think of honey flavor. We also get a buckwheat honey. So it's pretty much the, like a dark molassesy honey and that's going to be a more robust flavored. It's a very like palate refined flavor honey. So I love cooking with it. Some people love eating with it. A couple of our yards this year had a, we had the basswood flow and so that people don't realize like you can actually get really good honey off of it. It has like a minty flavor. So it's a very unique thing. It wasn't enough for us to harvest, but just for us to taste. And so it, it really just depends on each area of Wisconsin is so different, which is so unique and fun for the bees. So as you mentioned, your bees are in California living their best life now throughout the winter. So what does that mean for you? What do you do during your off season as a beekeeper? 
I kind of joke with people. It's the time of the year I finally get a day off. And so the rest of the year, I still have my full-time job as a registered nurse. And then my days off, we sell our honey in a lot of grocery stores. We have a farmer's market once a month. A lot of it's going to be planning. Like we try and make as many of our beeswax candle over winter, as many of our products as we can make over winter, we get stocked up for. And then it's already, Dad and I were just talking today. We've got to talk to people and start making connections about splitting for the spring. And we got to get all the equipment built and ready and things ordered for that. What are some of the, your favorite questions or the questions that may surprise you that you get from the public when you are out selling your products or at these farmers markets and getting to interact with the public? I think those questions I've gotten throughout my life, again, I'm only 25, so it hasn't been that long, but it's really transitioned in the last few years. Like since more public knowledge came aware that like honeybees aren't doing well, it really the last few years has been transitioned to everyone comes up to you more concerned and say, hey, like how are the bees doing? What can I do for the bees? And so as a beekeeper, it's it's really wholesome to know people are more concerned and it's definitely been I'd say easier for us to be a beekeeper as well because then we have more areas people want us to bring their bees in on their land and so my favorite thing to tell people that people hate to hear is if you want to help the bees the easiest thing you can do is please just leave the dandelions in your yard in the spring of the year it's honestly the first floral source they have and so you don't have to leave them all year just until there's some other like flowers blooming for them but it is again wholesome to know people are like what can I do how can I help like I'll tell my friend and it's it's just great to know that that's a well-known thing that people are concerned about. And sometimes the public thinks of the beekeepers as being that older generation, but it is really a wide range of ages, wide range of people as yourself. So are more women and younger people getting involved in beekeeping, do you think? I'd say it really depends. Like a lot of my beekeeping friends are people that you don't always see out and about and they are of the younger generation. I mean, I have friends across the country that are beekeepers and they range from, I have an 18 year old friend all the way up to someone who you might like your stereotypical beekeeper. How does your business work with other egg industries or what level of cooperation is needed to really help further the beekeeping industry? So for us, it kind of is unique. Like honeybees, they really are dependent on the environment around them. And so as a beekeeper, it's like you try and find areas that have like hay fields. So there's flowers for them. You'll try and find like, we have a couple grants right now. So our cropland that used to be like corn and soybeans is actually all planted in all wildflowers. So it's working with like the agricultural programs. So how we can do that. A couple of like our yards that we have it, the owners of them are, have been full-time farmers their entire life. Like they have corn and soybeans right next to it and it's been awesome for them because they came to my dad actually and they're like we want bees on our land like tell us how far away it has to be from like chemicals and sprays and they literally they cut down a couple trees so we could have yards there and so it's they realize that they have they want bees they want to help us but they realize everything they do for their livelihood that's so important doesn't always mix well but it's awesome to see like different communities are kind of coming together it's like we can work together it's just kind of hard to figure out like your livelihood and my livelihood don't always correlate super well but together you can find different ways to make it work that was hannah schustrom owner of honey hill apiaries while her bees may be in california for the winter she stays engaged with beekeepers through the wisconsin honey producers association you can also find her with her honey at local farmers markets and as part of the something special from wisconsin program from the midwest farm report i'm charity seebecker